Every five years, the National Young Farmers Coalition surveys young and Black, Indigenous, and people of color, or BIPOC, farmers, ranchers, and growers across the country to understand their brightest hopes and biggest challenges and the policy solutions that will help them be successful in their farming careers. In 2022 alone, the National Young Farmers Coalition received over 10,000 responses from past, current, and aspiring farmers. Those survey findings revealed that urgent structural challenges are standing in the way of many of these young and BIPOC farmers' success, including the number one challenge, which is access to land. In addition to land access, the survey also found many other challenges, including access to capital, healthcare costs, access to affordable housing, the high cost of production, student loan debt, climate change, immigration issues, and access to USDA federal programs. And the survey revealed that these barriers are even higher for farmers who identify as BIPOC. We all know that land is deeply intertwined with all aspects of farmers' success. And land access does not just impact farmers. Access to land is critical to the health and well-being of our environment, economy, and our marginalized communities. As more farmers reach retirement age now in the coming years, millions of acres of U.S. farmland are changing hands. We believe public policy holds the responsibility and the promise to facilitate land justice for the next generation of growers and land stewards. And as the 2023 Farm Bill approaches, we believe it's a critical opportunity to bring our farmers' voices together in order to build power for future change. Young Farmers started the Land Advocacy Fellowship in early 2022 as a part of a two-year advocacy and leadership fellowship for current and aspiring young farmers and ranchers. This fellowship is part of the National Young Farmers Coalition's One Million Acres for the Future campaign, an initiative to ensure that land is equitably transitioned to the next generation of farmers by changing policy in the 2023 Farm Bill that will be voted on later this year. So we've partnered with Calag Roots on these three episode podcast series to shine a light on the challenges and opportunities that face the next generation of farmers in California. Throughout this series, we'll be hearing from young farmers across the state, sharing their op-eds that will be examining how access to land has been their number one challenge facing their and their next generation of farmers in the United States. This series not only acknowledges how centuries of discrimination and dispossession have made this barrier even higher for BIPOC farmers, but also how the 2023 Farm Bill, which is the primary food and agriculture policy tool of the U.S. government, is one of our last chances to ensure that land transitions equitably to the next generation of farmers moving forward. Hi, my name is Hector Luis Calderon Victoria. I'm a farmer and the California farm organizer with the National Young Farmers Coalition. I'm also a product of my ancestors, an immigrant, an artist, a member of my community, an advocate, a foodie, and a cook amongst many other things. 
join me and my comrades on these episodes as they share their stories about the structural challenges that stand in their way to gaining access to land in the state of California. In this Calag Root series called An Ear to the Ground. This is the first of three episodes in a multi-part series which focuses on the land access in California, but also throughout our nation. This episode features op-eds from three land advocacy fellows. My name is Veronica Mazariegos Anastasio. My name is Stephanie Ortiz. I am Timu Asir Martin Bay. They speak about how their communities are impacted by systemic inequalities and how they are practicing food sovereignty for their communities through farming. They all have different stories and come from different places, but they are all united by the same dream of owning land. My name is Veronica Mazariegos Anastasio, and I farm in Pescadero, California. As a first-generation Latina farmer in San Mateo County, California, a land advocacy fellow with the National Young Farmers Coalition, and an advocate for fellow farmers of color and historically under-resourced farmers in California, I recognize that the 2023 Farm Bill holds great potential to shape U.S. land policy in an impactful manner. This is of particular importance to farmers like me, who are faced with lack of access to high-quality and affordable land and tenure thereof. Affordable and fair land tenure has emerged as one of the most significant barriers to entry to aspiring farmers and to the longevity and success of established farm businesses like mine. I farm on the San Mateo County coast, about an hour south of San Francisco and a few minutes north of the Santa Cruz County line, and have experienced this seemingly fabricated sense of scarcity firsthand. Many of us that farm and live on the coast are being priced out by wealthy landowners with intentions to build a home. Meanwhile, well-intentioned conservation efforts are acquiring land and insufficiently engaging with the role agriculture can play in advancing shared conservation goals. There is plenty of land on the coast. However, not all opportunities to access land are always suitable nor sustainable for a small farmer to fully embrace. It is fairly easy to find land to lease, but a farming business needs more than land to operate. A farm needs infrastructure, including water, irrigation, electricity, storage, among other needs to properly function. With short-term, often one-year leases, and the expectation that the tenant farmer has to make all land and infrastructure improvements with no guarantee of tenure, it is no wonder why farms are struggling to make the decision of investing in the land and the infrastructure they need to make their businesses thrive. I too struggle in deciding to make these investments because I do not have any long-term security on the properties where I farm. If the landlord-tenant relationship was more akin to a long-term partnership, perhaps agriculture would be more viable and conservation efforts more attainable. My farm, Brisa Ranch, is a small organic vegetable and fruit farm that is collaboratively managed by two other farmers and me. Our small team has managed to grow our farm from under an acre in 2018 to about 20 acres in the 2022 season across three different properties. We currently lease land and have been very grateful to build our business via access to various plots that have become available over the years. 
lease terms in our area for farmland tend to be between one year to five years, with the added burden of having to absorb all the costs of infrastructure and land improvements without any recognition for the value that is added to the property in the form of soil fertility, land and resource management, or infrastructure improvement. However, as farmers that are aware of the crucial role our land and resource management plays in building soil health and working as a necessary complement to the existing ecosystem, the reality is that this work does not happen within the span of a standard lease. The work of a farmer or rancher, which at its essence is one of land steward, is one that takes generations. The expertise and work of the steward is taken for granted and not adequately accounted for in the lease agreement. The role of a farmer as a land steward is deeply connected to another motivating factor for many young and underrepresented farmers wanting to influence the contents of the 2023 Farm Bill. We are gradually acknowledging, perhaps short of accepting, the crucial role that agriculture plays as both a contributor to climate change and the enormous potential it has to combat it. I have been told by even the most avid supporters of small sustainable farmers and technical assistance providers that speak of climate smart practices, a trendy concept referring to practices that have traditionally been practiced throughout the world that have been identified as beneficial to mitigating the effects of climate change, that these practices are a question of personal, in this case, business responsibility. Ultimately, the argument goes, I should implement these practices because they are benefiting my production and therefore my bottom line. This narrow view ignores that any benefit of the coordinated land management that my team does today will be gradually harvested over time and will likely not have any meaningful impact until several years down the road, especially in the case of farms like mine that have come onto restoring land that had been depleted after decades of neglect. It is work that goes generally unnoticed and undervalued in our food system. Some government programs have emerged both in California and more slowly nationally to incentivize these practices. These incentives, which range from payments that cover the cost of some inputs such as seed to cost sharing infrastructure improvements such as irrigation systems are insufficient in their current state. At best, they are useful and well-tailored for landowners that have complete agency over the land they own. For the rest of us non-landowners or farmers with year-to-year short-term leases, the programs are barely covering some of the input costs without any regard for the time, expertise, and opportunity costs farmers need to absorb in order to implement these practices. Moreover, mere access to land without consideration for the infrastructure, resources on the land, and tenure make farmers even more vulnerable to the very natural disasters that their climate smart practices would in theory help mitigate. In 2020, my farm was directly impacted by the CZU lightning complex fire. After a long period of recovery, we were lucky to be able to continue to farm, but many others were not as fortunate. I'm not alone in my growing frustration with policies, government programs, and philanthropic efforts that are failing farmers and ranchers when it comes to land tenure and the resources necessary to properly manage that land. According to the National Young Farmers Coalition, Finding affordable land to buy is the number one reason farmers are leaving agriculture. The top challenge for current farmers and the primary barrier preventing aspiring farmers from getting started. This is especially true for farmers of color. While 59% of overall respondents to young farmers survey that finding affordable land was very or extremely challenging, 
65% of BIPOC farmers named the same issue as very or extremely challenging. There are signs that the USDA and state agriculture and food agencies, including the California Department of Food and Agriculture, are opening up to making changes to policies and programs that have left out so many producers. Among several provisions, the recent Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 provides additional funding for conservation programs under the National Resources Conservation Service and financial assistance to farmers that have experienced discrimination in USDA's farm lending programs. Although promising, we have to remember that as long as farmers and ranchers do not have secure land tenure, they will not be able to access this funding, another form of implicit discrimination. We need a 2023 farm bill that refocuses on farming and secures our farmland and encourages climate resilient practices for the current and next generation of farmers and ranchers, and that promotes parallel efforts at the state and local levels. I encourage policymakers to see the upcoming farm bill as an opportunity to make specific and impactful investments in programs that make land tenure accessible, such as helping farmers compete in the real estate market by making more appropriate and quicker credit options available, including a farm service agency pre-approval mechanism, down payment grants for first-time farmland buyers, and in the case of leases, incentives for landowners to issue long-term leases and share investment and costs with farmer tenants, investing in voluntary farmer-led farmland protection that keeps land in the hands of farmers, Investing in climate more agriculture practices that fully compensate farmers for the cost and expertise associated with implementing practices and makes the necessary equipment for implementation affordable. Investing in strong and well-resourced regional food system to ensure local and sustainable food supply chains and farm and ranch business viability. As a part of the Young Farmers 1 Million Acres for the Future campaign, I'm asking my members of Congress, Representative Anna Eshoo, Senator Dianne Feinstein, and Senator Alex Padilla to pass a 2023 farm bill that makes a historic investment in more equitable and land access and tenure, climate smart agriculture and regional food systems. In doing so, you will be investing in a new generation of land stewards and prioritize sustainable land and resource management practices and the production of local and nutrition food for our region. My name is Stephanie Ortiz. I am in Oceanside, California. My abuelito had a relationship with farming imprinted on the palms of his hands. They were gnarled like a tree weathered by more than 70 years of tending to the land. Both of my grandfathers migrated from Oaxaca to be part of the Bracero program, lasting from 1942 to 1964. This temporary work program brought 4.5 million Mexican agricultural and railroad workers to supplement employment due to work shortages during the World War II era, mainly in the Southwest region and Oregon. This temporary work program brought 4.5 million Mexican agricultural and railroad workers to supplement employment due to work shortages during World War II, mainly in the Southwest and Oregon. Only men without their families were offered jobs without full labor rights. Work agreements between the United States and Mexico, coupled with policies like NAFTA, have created thousands of ripples with similar stories where families are separated 
in exchange for economic viability. Although many of the farmers who migrated during the Bracero program were earth keepers and landowners back home in Mexico, the dispossession of land created a dynamic where migrant farmers were forced to sell their labor. Bracero workers were sanitized in holding camps where DDT was used to spray them down prior to entering the US. Many of them lived in substandard conditions with poor living wages or none at all. Farming has been a sacred seed of inspiration and an invitation to become reconnected with food by way of community and ancestry. My grandfather Bernardino would grow food for our family's needs when he no longer had land access. We attended a local community garden and we'd water milpa or tomatoes that he would later harvest. This became a watercolor memory that I'd later tap into when I wanted to remind myself of the many generations of farmers that stood beside me. I'd lean on those memories on my path to finding a deeper connection to land and eventually organizing to protect that same community garden and ensure it remained collectivized and accessible for others to use. My first conscious experience reconnecting with traditional farming surfaced after participating in a year-long internship in the Bay Area with an organization named the Cultural Conservancy. This brought together pan-Indigenous youth and allowed us an opportunity to learn about native food and waterways through culturally relevant teachings. During this experience, ancestral memory reminded me of the deep connection of tending to land as a cultural responsibility. Farming and tending to the earth for many generations have also been a primary method of healing and wellness, even for us children of the diaspora. I became emotional the first time I ground corn to cook it because although my mother did once before, this tradition was lost in migration. With so much vigor from the internship, I began a position at a nonprofit nature center in Marin County, where I was living on a small scale organic farm and worked as an outdoor environmental educator. This was supplemented with permaculture, beekeeping, animal husbandry, and small organic farming knowledge. My perception of farming was shaped by this role because BIPOC farmers were not represented in the space. And this was my first attempt at tending to land as a way of making a living. Representation and equity are so vital in the shaping of farming ecosystems because of the way in which historically BIPOC folks have been violently or forcibly removed from the decision-making process. Access to having a safe, culturally vibrant and inclusive community farm is a vision I hold dearly. The Farm Bill in 2023 is a timely opportunity to reassess our relationship with land, organic farming and diversity within the food system and people who are caretakers of the land and food. As an aspiring indigenous farmer, the decision made through this legislation will impact me and generations to come. It makes the difference between supporting the growing demand to reclaim farming as a human right tied to wellness in all dimensions and bringing equity from how food is grown to who distributes it, who has access to nourishment and how we protect the environment. Part of the reason I left farming and returned back to social services was because I realized that compensation was a challenge that was interwoven as a theme with the many young aspiring farmers I met. It seemed to be a commonality among us all that part-time or temporary jobs plagued the field we were so enthusiastic to commit to. I moved back to Southern California and became invested in food policy 
accessibility of green spaces and the social determinants of health. My work allowed me to support migrant farm workers in North County of San Diego, which comprise a large portion of the farm work sector in our area. This intersects with issues of immigration, since a good portion of folks working in the field are also undocumented. It is a stark difference from the world in which I was immersed in Marin County. It differs from the faces that dominate farmers' markets. Behind the scenes, the labor is still dominated by BIPOC farmers who are still not properly compensated. I recently worked at a small-scale farm in Encinitas because I missed being outside and getting my hands dirty. This community farm supported efforts to distribute organic produce to folks who were economically vulnerable. But once again, I found myself being the only BIPOC to work within the organization. I was provided with part-time hours and was forced to look for a role that would sustain my basic needs. I stepped away from the desire to tend to a community space of my own and return to social services once again. Many of us aspiring farmers oftentimes find ourselves leaving the desire to grow food due to the lack of resources which support new farmers and barriers that feel enormous and taxing. 67% of young farmers surveyed by the National Young Farmers Coalition named land accessibility as a barrier to farming. When the pandemic hit, I reconnected with my local community garden. I continued supporting efforts that would focus on access to safe places for folks who otherwise would not have a place to grow food. This all happened in the same space my grandpa grew food for our family. This has been my sanctuary in the process of leaving farming as a paid role. This space has been in community hands for more than six years. We have had to petition to ask local government to waive garden fees and provide free access to gardening. This sanctuary serves as a reminder of people's power and the dignified journey of collectivizing to protect the space and grow food despite any odds. The timing is ripe for reevaluating the way economic networks could better support aspiring farmers and to deeply assess how historical trauma, racism, and economic inequity all parallel the farming sector. Now is the time to ensure USDA land-related programs are accessible, appropriate, and accountable to young farmers and farmers of color, specifically to make sure USDA programs are accessible to communal land ownership. Now is the time to invest in voluntary, community-led farmland protection that keeps land in the hands of growers, to ensure buy-protect sell mechanisms work for growers within the Agricultural Conservation Easement Program, ACEP, and prioritize funding for projects that protect affordability. Lastly, it is a call for us all to support the One Million Acres for the Future campaign, calling on Congress to make a historic investment of $2.5 billion in equitable access to the 2023 Farm Bill. This investment would make 1 million acres of land accessible for a new generation of resilient farmers. We are here and like seeds will spread in four directions, beyond borders and with ancestral wisdom to protect the land and feed one another. Peace and blessings. I am Timu Asir Martin Bay in Compton, California, unceded Tongva land. Have you ever been to Hawaii? 
I think it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. Every day, I was constantly captivated by all the elements of nature. But it was here where I truly began to understand the impacts of imperialism and colonization. I saw the worsened living conditions for the native and indigenous groups, the results of decades of systemic oppression. But I also saw the deep land connection and sense of oneness with the land. My time in Oahu, Hawaii, is what ignited my passion and respect for land and galvanized my advocacy work for land access and my own community. After a year of living and seeing this dichotomy, I decided to move back to Compton, California, unceded Tongva land. I originally planned to open up a plant-based restaurant so I could alleviate our food insecurity. But when I saw the condition of the Compton Community Garden, I knew I had to get involved in this aspect. Before I moved to Oahu to take a job opportunity to become a deli manager of a vegetarian grocery store chain and possibly become the food service director of all their delis, the Compton Community Garden was flourishing. 60 four by eight garden beds full of produce. Here, my mentor taught myself and many others how to grow organic biodiverse food and where I'd harvest my food to prepare for my community through my plant-based catering company. When I returned to the garden, it looked abandoned, discarded, and hardly in production. Compton is what some would call a food desert, but what I call food apartheid. It is mainly Hispanic and African-American cultures living together with little access to organic food. You see, there was a possibility the land that the garden was on would be sold. This prospect discouraged the directors from continuing programming. But together with my close friends, local community leaders, and mentors, we decided to continue developing the garden even if we hadn't secured the land yet. And now I'm happy to say that the Compton Community Garden remains a community resource in that it alleviates food insecurity, supports community education, and provides much needed green space and clean air in a part of the city that suffers from green space inequity. I've learned a lot of things through my experience living in Hawaii and from being in Compton. The conditions are similar. First, I learned that land is foundational. It is deeply connected to the health of our communities, economies, and environment. It is the foundation of wealth generation. And here in California, land access is inequitable and needs to be distributed. Second, not having access to land removes communities from the agricultural industry, which in turn impacts our overall community. Lastly, I learned that agriculture and agroecology is the foundation of civilization. And we must therefore take action to increase our ownership and stake in creating a better future. So today, as a young black and indigenous farmer 
of both Choctaw and Creek descent, and as a land advocacy fellow with the National Young Farmers Coalition, I recognize that the 2023 Farm Bill will dictate United States land policy more than any other policy decision in the next decade. It will set the stage for how our communities use and have access to the land they are rooted in. There is a host of issues facing farmers today. According to the National Young Farmers Coalition, finding affordable land to buy is the number one reason farmers are leaving agriculture. The top challenge for current farmers and the primary barrier preventing aspiring farmers from getting started. For farmers of color, this process is even harder. Generations of public policy have facilitated the dispossession of millions of acres from BIPOC farmers through legislation such as the Indian Removal Act of 1830, the Homestead Acts of the mid-1800s, and the alien land laws of the early 1900s. As a result, white farmers compose 95% of all farmers, own 98% of all farmland, and have received the vast majority of agriculture-related financial assistance. Public policy has also enabled non-farmer ownership, part of a larger trend of lawmakers shifting support away from farmers and towards corporate interests. Moreover, research from the USDA, the United States Department of Food and Agriculture, shows that the current generation of farmers is aging out of the profession. The average farmer in the US is nearly 60 years old. Prime farmland is being lost to development at a rate of more than 2,000 acres per day. With the amount of farmland that's expected to change hands, it is crucial we help position marginalized groups to safely enter the industry. During my own tenure as an urban farmer, I've not had much technical assistance support or been outreached by county, state, or federal agency. It was only after I was appointed to the BIPOC Advisory Committee, an ad hoc committee implemented by the Equity Office at the California Department of Food and Agriculture in 2021, that the conversation with the USDA started to flow. But there is still a lack of support and funding for BIPOC farmers, historically underserved, and socially disadvantaged farmers projects. According to the Young Farmers 2022 survey, Black and Indigenous farmers were more likely to report being denied access to federal programs, being ignored by local or state USDA staff, and that a local or state USDA employee acted in ways that were unwelcoming to them based on their race. Now, the USDA is the second most funded department in the nation, right after the Department of Defense. Yet, in the 100-plus years since its creation, there hasn't been many outreach efforts to bring different faces from cities like Compton and South LA into the agricultural industry. There's also no required agricultural or ecological education in the Los Angeles Unified School District curriculum, or many school curricula for that matter, thus keeping young people of color out of the industry. That is why we need a 2023 farm bill that encourages climate resilient practices and secures our farmland for the next generation. I encourage Congresswoman Nanette Diaz-Bettegon, Senator Stephen Bradford, Senator Sidney Kambach, 
Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Assemblymember Mike Gibson, Assemblymember Isaac Bryan, and other local policymakers to see this bill as an opportunity to invest in programs that will support funding and avenues for access to land and grassroots outreach, including technical assistance, language programs, and engagement centered around historically disadvantaged communities. This can be progressed through a variety of ways, many of which are outlined in the One Million Acres campaign platform with the National Young Farmers Coalition. Other potential solutions involve a continued investment into the heirs property relending program and increasing the staff and capacity at the USDA. As a part of Young Farmers One Million Acres for the Future campaign, I am asking that my members of Congress to pass a 2023 farm bill that makes this historic investment in equitable land access. We need to actively remove the roadblocks that are keeping young farmers off the land. Secure, equitable access to farmland is an issue that impacts us all and the future of our food and agricultural systems. All of our voices are important and calling on Congress to create a 2023 farm bill that supports young farmers. This is a pivotal moment to make historic investments in folks who will steward agriculture land and grow food for our communities in the future. Our nation must act now to secure affordable access to land for young farmers and farmers of color. There is no time to wait. Thanks for listening to the Calag Roots podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can check out other stories like this one at www.agroots.org or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you can get podcasts. And by the way, if you subscribe and rate this show, it will help other people discover it. To get involved with the campaign and receive action alerts, visit www dot p the number two a dot co forward slash land now some important acknowledgments this podcast narration was written by me hector luis calderon victoria a farmer and a california organizer for the national young farmers coalition with the generous support and brainstorming of both calag roots producer caroline collins and associate storyteller and researcher Lee Schmidt, both of whom work at the California Institute for Rural Studies. And lastly, for production assistance and audio engineering, which was provided by Lee Schmidt, associate storyteller and researcher at the California Institute for Rural Studies. The Ear to the Ground series was made possible with the support from the 11th Hour Project and the Schmidt Family Foundation. And finally, special thanks to our farmers in this three-episode series, Mayra Perez, Jaime Sosa, Veronica Mazarego Anastasio, Stephanie Ortiz, Temu Asir Martin, Brooke Porter, Lily Nauta, and Ali McMurrow, who all took the time to write their stories and make time to be recorded. By making sure that the world can hear these stories, they help us learn more about these stewards of the land 
and farmers in our beautiful state of California who protect and bring food to our communities daily. So thank you for all your hard work.